From WFIU in Bloomington, Indiana, I'm Kate Young, and this is Earth Eats. Last week, due to a technical snafu, Earth Eats didn't air as scheduled. I didn't want you to miss out on our hot sauce story, so we'll air it this week with some updated news. There are so many of those hot sauces out there that are kind of gimmicky, and it's all about the heat, and I, you know, those, those are nothing to me. You gotta get that good balance of flavor. There are so many ways to make hot sauce, and within every technique are hundreds of variations. Hot sauce aficionado Christopher Burris takes us along on his first steps into the world of hot sauce production, starting with a Puerto Rican version called pique. That's spelled P-I-Q-U-E. Also this week, a story from Josephine McRobbie about a taco place with an educational mission. That's all coming up in the next half hour, so stay with us. This week we have two local news stories. Here's Renee Reed. Thanks, Kate. A new seed library is now available at the Monroe County Public Library. As WFIU's Benta Boutier reports, residents may now pick out various types of non-invasive, non-GMO food and flower seeds to take home and plant. Library officials say they're looking at ideas on how to expand their existing garden services. Jane Cronkite is the associate director at the Monroe County Library. She says the library approached the George E. Archer Foundation to help fund the project. She says the Seeds Library will make gardening more accessible to people in the community. There's all different types of literacy. So um, learning about food, learning how to grow your own food is another type of literacy. Cronkite says the seeds are free and the program is available to anyone, even non-members. For WFIU News, I'm Ben Taboutier. A purple unicorn was escorted out of the Bloomington Community Farmer's Market this weekend after protesting a vendor with ties to white supremacist groups. Five members of a group known as the Purple Shirt Brigade, one in an inflatable purple unicorn costume, were issued trespass and disorderly conduct citations Saturday morning after holding signs aimed at boycotting market vendor Schooner Creek Farm. Schooner Creek Farm co-owner Sarah Dye is a self-professed identitarian with links to the American Identity Movement, considered a white supremacist group by the Anti-Defamation League and as a hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center. Citing the First Amendment, the Bloomington Farmers Market decided to keep Schooner Creek Farm as a vendor in the public market, spurring the organization of an alternate, private Saturday market at Blooming Foods, a local grocery co-op on the east side of town. Last weekend wasn't the first time the owners of Schooner Creek Farm were confronted by protesters. A group called No Space for Hate has kept an ongoing presence at the market, tabling in the designated areas of the market encouraging customers to boycott Schooner Creek Farm. Other groups have also shown up at the market, including three percenters and a black block formation. In July, a lone protester was arrested for holding a sign next to the Schooner Creek booth and refusing to leave when asked by authorities. Market rules prohibit blocking vendors, holding signs in the main market area, and general disruption of market commerce. These rules were the basis for the police action against the Purple Shirt Brigade this weekend. Thanks to Taylor Killo and Benta Boutier for these stories. For Earth Eats, I'm Renee Reed. Thanks, Renee.
My name is Christopher Burris. I'm an employee of WFIU and a lover of hot sauce. The word amateur has its roots in the French word for love. An amateur does something not for pay, but because they enjoy doing it. Christopher Burris is an amateur hot sauce maker. In fact, you might say he's a novice. I'm going on my first journey today of starting to make my own hot sauce. And I'm starting with a kind of hot sauce called pique, which is a really simple hot sauce to make that comes from Puerto Rico. And at its most basic form, it's infusing vinegar with chilies. It's really the kind of hot sauce that is homemade that you mostly see on the table and in people's kitchens and everybody has their own version of it. And so that's what I wanted to start with because it's so simple and there's a lot of different things you can do. Wait, so you say you're seeing on, on everybody's table. I never see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess hot sauce lovers' tables, yeah. I did. I do have a kind of a story that I know that my great-grandfather loved PK, and uh, when I told my mom that I was going to make this stuff, she was like, oh, yeah, you know, he used to have a bottle of that stuff all the time. He took it around with him everywhere, put it on everything, and so kind of continuing a little bit of a family tradition here as well. <laughs> all right, so what are we starting with in terms of the chilies? Sure. So I'm going to make two different kinds of pique. The first one, and the one I'm honestly looking forward to the most, uses habaneros. I love the habanero pepper. It's my favorite pepper. I love the flavor of it. I love the heat level of it. I love the color of it, just everything about it. And so the most traditional pique that I'm going to make, which is white vinegar with some herbs and then the habaneros, that's going to be my first one. And the second one is going to be a little bit more of a mystery. I'm going to do a sherry-based one instead of white vinegar. And then I'm using some ahi chilies because they have a great fruity flavor. The ahi chilies are kind of long. They're about between three inches and four inches. They're red and orange, a couple green ones and yellow ones. They have a little bit of a, of, of a wrinkly texture. They, they get used in a lot of PKs is because they're really easy to shove down the neck of a bottle. You know, you don't have to prepare them that much. <laughs> I think I'm gonna get some good heat with, uh, I only have two ghost peppers in here as well. And then these kind of milder ones, I think will add a lot more of the, that fruity flavor I'm looking for. I, I knew that this was gonna come down to the flavor of the peppers more than anything else. And so I wanted to try to source something good. Christopher doesn't have a garden of his own, but he wanted something fresh and homegrown. So he headed to the farmer's market one Saturday morning in October. I had a really fun morning just going around to all these different vendors and talking to them about their peppers and about, uh, it's not just heat level, it's like, you know, fruity tasting peppers versus grassy tasting peppers and whether or not you prefer one over the other. And so I got a mixture here, you know, the uh, habaneros have a little bit more of that grassiness. There's a little fruitiness there as well, but these, uh, these ahi are, are definitely on the fruity side of things. And so it was really fun just to kind of go around and, you know, treat peppers in the same way that you talk about wines. <laughs> Since it's not cooked, you can make pique directly in the bottle that you plan to serve it in. It becomes kind of a table piece. You have it on your table. And when people talk about making pique, they often, it's interesting, they also talk about the visual component of it, that you want to make sure you get a lot of different colored chilies so that, you know, when people look at the pique, they, they like how, you know, they like the way it looks. They see how vibrant the colors are. So there's a taste aspect to it as well as a visual component. I like that about it too. Christopher is using one liter flip top spring seal glass bottles with airtight stoppers. And so we need to prepare the spice mixture that we're going to use first. I've got about nine to ten cloves of garlic here and um, I've got to get these peeled. You ever seen this the two bowl method for peeling garlic? 
Yeah, let's see it. Okay. What's, what, what's it involve? Yeah, so you take two same size mixing bowls, like, uh, like good metal bowls, you know, just classic, and then uh, put all your your garlic in it, and then you're gonna put the two bowls on top of each other so that the garlic is fully enclosed. And then you're just gonna shake it up and down for about 20 seconds. So I'll do that. Okay. How'd it work? Uh, you know, it did okay. Wow, you can really smell it. It, really, it definitely activated the garlic. Uh, pretty, pretty good. Yeah, that's a really good method. If you have a lot to do, it will really save you some time. <laughs> and if nobody in your place is trying to take a nap or anything, too, it's probably... Okay, now it's time to prepare the peppers. So we got to get these softened so that they just kind of start releasing their flavor. So we're going to boil up some water and get these going, and then we'll chop them up. While we're waiting for the water to boil, we can actually start chopping up our chilies. And I know you have to be very careful when you do this. I'm not really big on using gloves. A lot of people suggest that. I tend to feel like I'm, it's easy to cut your fingers with gloves. So I've just got some tongs and things. I'm just gonna try to be as careful as I can. I can already tell I'm getting this all over my fingers. I knew that this is gonna be a little bit of an adventure because I've never done this before. And so I'm sure I'm gonna make some kind of uh, stupid mistake that your listeners are gonna be <laughs> <laughs> laughing at me while I'm doing this. <laughs> I was kind of hoping to try to keep as much of the seeds in. I know, because I, I like that heat, but I also know that the uh, the ribs of the pepper are where a lot of the, the heat is as well. So that's all staying in there. So we're gonna put these in the boiling water for about two minutes just to get them soft, and then they'll go into the bottle. Oh, that hot water robbed them of their color. <laughs> hey, y'all, you're right, it did. Oh, <laughs> Some people don't do this. Some people just put them straight in. They don't do this, the boiling part here first or anything. But I under, under, wow, that is, <coughs> that is, uh, that is, <coughs> <laughs> we're all coughing. <laughs> I am having second thoughts about putting these ghost peppers in it as well. <laughs> the ghost pepper is one of the most well-known of the super hot peppers. It's no longer the hottest pepper. I believe the Carolina Reaper holds that title at the moment, but things change. There's a scale for measuring the heat of a pepper. It's called the Scoville scale, named after its inventor, pharmacist Wilbur Scoville. An SHU is a Scoville heat unit, which is a way of quantifying how spicy a pepper is by measuring the concentration of capsaicinoids. Capsaicin is the chemical that makes the chili pepper taste hot in your mouth. The ghost pepper clocks in at about 1 million SHU. For comparison, a jalapeno tops out at 10,000 SHU. The hottest of the hot these days measures around 2 million SHU. These ones are yellow with a, this one especially looks really good. It's yellow and it has this, you know, this gradual greening on it. But, you know, the, the most definable feature of a ghost pepper is the really wrinkly skin. We're gonna strain these now. Christopher is removing the peppers that he softened in the boiling water. So that's it for the habaneros are strained. We're gonna. Strain. Hey, they kind of brightened back yeah, up a yeah, little bit. Yeah, yeah, they did. That's interesting. They still look good. They'll still look good in the bottle, I think. Right. For sure. I'm gonna wash my hands again <laughs> with the salt. So I need to step in to warn you about handling super hot peppers like ghost peppers. Even the habaneros can give you a painful burn. So do your best to keep the insides of the peppers away from your skin and wash your hands frequently with either an oil cutting soap like Dawn or with some salt. 
to scrub off the oil from the pepper before it settles in. If you do experience a burning sensation, and usually this happens a little bit later, try applying a dairy product like plain yogurt or sour cream. It's the only thing that's ever helped me. Put these in, these long skinny peppers that I'm just gonna be able to slide right into the bottles. I think I just have to make a little slit in them so that the vinegar can get in and start extracting all that good flavor, but I'm not gonna have to really do anything else to them, so that's nice. The air in the kitchen is starting to feel a bit toxic. Clean out your sinuses. <laughs> so now we can start getting our, uh, our vinegar prepared. And the vinegar you actually wanna heat a little bit as well. Again, this is an optional step. I'm just gonna go ahead and do it just because I, I think it makes sense that it, you know, the heat would kind of allow the ingredients to start activating. So I've got white distilled vinegar and we're just gonna warm it a little bit, not enough to boiling. While we're doing that, we'll go ahead and kind of pour our spices into the bottles. For this recipe, I kind of have an idea of this one being ready around the holidays and so having it being kind of like a, a sauce for some foods that you might have around the Christmas or Thanksgiving and so turkey and ham and, and those kinds of flavors. And so I thought about adding some clove because I, I have seen a couple PKs that have clove in them. I know you have to be pretty careful with the am amount of clove that you put into something because it's a pretty strong spice. Sherry goes in next. I'm not using a particularly nice sherry. It's not cooking sherry, but it's a pretty inexpensive one because we're stuffing a bunch of peppers in it, so. Yeah. <laughs> so the sherry one is done. He's got the peppers, a few cloves in there, and then he's topped it off with sherry. For the habanero one, he's added garlic. I've got some thyme here that I also thought I would add. I really like the flavor of thyme. I think that'll also look really good in the bottle afterwards. Yeah, it's very attractive. <laughs> Vinegar and our sherry are both bottled. We've got all the spices we're going to put in, except I did almost forget black pepper, black and white peppercorn, another one of my absolute favorite spices. I know it's simple, but I'm one of those people you can never have enough pepper on, <laughs> on anything. And this is another one that I'm just gonna add to the vinegar. I'm not gonna add any of it to the sherry. That looks really good. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Boy, I, lo I, I love the color of this already. You know, you've got the black peppercorns and then it's, you know, and the orange. Habaneros, it just looks really good. That thyme, the yeah. green. It's like a little a little hot pepper terrarium. Or... I yeah. love the purity of the habanero too. Mm -hmm. I think you're gonna like that flavor wise, but mm -hmm. it also looks really good to just have the one color. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really happy with this so far. Give it a couple flips to start. And then you're good to go. So now this just sits out in the sun. I like that you have two, what are probably going to be completely different products. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's no sweetness really to this habanero one at all. And I think the cloves in the, uh, the cherry clove PK, it'll be better on things like I'm hoping turkey and ham and mashed potatoes or whatever, any kind of Thanksgiving related. I put hot sauce on everything. I'm always thinking about that. So <laughs> that's my plan with these. Could you talk a little bit about your relationship with vinegared things and hot things? Sure. I have always loved those tastes, like the taste, like that tangy vinegar taste and then hot sauces and, uh, ever since like elementary school, I loved it. And uh, actually when I was in elementary school, you know, it's that age where you're trying to still trying to figure out your personality. And so you're defining yourself by 
like your interests in a really extroverted way. And since I knew I loved hot sauce so much, and so I was like a Tabasco sauce poster child. I just bought, or rather was gifted all of their products. I had a friend whose dad worked for the Tabasco Indy 500 car racing team. And so one, one birthday, he gave me just like all of this Tabasco promotional stuff. So I had like baseball cap, I had shirts, just all sorts of Tabasco stuff. I even had this, it was like a little camo belt holder so you could just like have your Tabasco bottle on your belt. And I used to wear it to school. <laughs> With the Tabasco? Oh yeah, yeah, because I was ready to go. You know, the minute I'd have some food, got to put that, put, put that hot sauce on it. And then, you know, when you're that age too, it's all about like, well, you know, how much, how much Tabasco can you eat? Like how hot can you go? As I got older, I really started to appreciate hot sauces that were a balance of heat and flavor. And that's what's ended up being the most important to me. You know, those, there are so many of those hot sauces out there that are, are kind of gimmicky and it's all about the heat. Those are nothing to me. It's just like, you got to get that good balance of flavor, which is why when I decided that I was finally going to start making my own, I was really concerned about internalizing the differences between different kinds of peppers and their flavors. Uh, well, thank you. And I'm excited to check back in with you. What did you say, two weeks? I'll probably check in two weeks and see how they're doing, yeah. After a quick break, we'll find out if Christopher's hot sauce met his high standards of flavor and heat balance. Production support comes from Bill Brown at Griffey Creek Studio, architectural design and consulting for residential, commercial, and community projects. Sustainable, energy positive, and resilient design for a rapidly changing world. Bill at GriffeyCreek.studio. Elizabeth Rue, enrolled agent with Personal Financial Services, assisting businesses and individuals with tax preparation and planning for over 15 years. More at personalfinancialservices.net and insurance agent Dan Williamson of Bill Resch Insurance, offering comprehensive auto, business, and home coverage in affiliation with Pekin Insurance. Beyond the expected. More at Earth Eats, I'm Kate Young, back with Christopher Burris to give that hot sauce a taste. So I've got four bottles here of the PKs. Two of them are first infusions and two of them are second ones. About a week after I made it, I, I was sampling it and I kind of decided that the garlic was where I wanted it to be. I really didn't want to get it any stronger and I wanted to try to bring out the habanero a little bit more. We'll do the habanero garlic first. You should just give it a, a whiff because... Yeah, that has a really strong garlic. Yeah, yep. I'm really tasting the other herbs, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mostly thyme and peppercorn. The vinegar really hits you pretty strong. Yeah, yeah. Once it gets to the back of your throat, it's exactly. pretty like, woo. But it's, the heat is not killing me. Mm -hmm. It feels kind of, and it feels like the vinegar's mellowed a little bit over time. It's not quite as like straight out of the bottle vinegar. Uh-huh. This is infusion one of the, sher it's sherry ahi chili and a little clove. Smells totally different. Wow, okay, <laughs> so it starts out sherry. Yeah. Then it goes clove. 
And then it goes, ghost, eat. Ghost pepper, ghost yeah. Pepper. <laughs> that one. That's incredible. That one has ended up being my favorite. It is, it's com- I was completely unexpected, blown away by what it tasted like in the end. I, I love it, personally. I think it's really interesting. I've never tasted anything like mm-hmm. it. And, yeah, that that heat is pure. Okay, let's do the infu- the, the second infusions okay. here because they're a little different. Okay. So num- this is the habanero, the second infusion habanero. You can already see the difference. It's, pr- it's a little lighter. I think you accomplished your goal. Yeah. The garlic is definitely diminished, and you're getting that fruity. Yep. Habanero thing going on. Yeah, that's why I, I like this one more. I mean, the other one is good. It's just it's a different sauce. Yeah. And this is the this is habanero. The other one's garlic. <laughs> but how incredible to get two sauces out of one bottle. Yeah, exactly. It's the same <laughs> bottle that we started with. But uh, this is the sherry second infusion. Yeah. It's still working. Yeah, that one. It's w- was softer. Kinda, yeah, just a little softer. And the re- you know the reason that I decided to give a second infusion to that one too is because the heat level on the first one, I thought sat right. I didn't want it to go any, any more. <laughs> I thought it was getting I to don't the know point where it was a little could go anywhere. Yeah, a, a ghost pepper is a scary thing. <laughs> you just never know how far it's gonna go. Don't worry, you don't have to put ghost peppers in your pique. Make it how you like it. And if you need instructions or ideas for what to do with your pique, we have them at eartheats.org. Thank you so much, Christopher Burris. Do you have anything else you want to add? Anybody can do this. You know, I picked up these ingredients at my local grocery store and my local farmer's market, threw them all in a bottle, and then it was just a pleasure to kind of watch it develop. And then we were rewarded here at the end. I mean, these are some really interesting sauces with some great flavors, and I I think that's the happiest thing about this all is how much variation there is you can have with it. It's just a lot of fun. Great tamale or taco starts with great masa, the dough that forms tortillas and surrounds tamale fillings. Josephine McRobbie spoke with the business owners behind the Oaxacan-inspired restaurant, Ex Voto. There's an educational component to everything that Angela Salamanca creates. First, there's Centro, her celebrated restaurant in downtown Raleigh, North Carolina. So with Centro, it was, you know, cultural education about Mexico, what real Mexican food was. Then the atmospheric bar Gallo Pelon. We wanted to bring mezcal to Raleigh and to North Carolina, and that also was about educating people about this really beautiful, very, very um, kind of like dark uh, spirit. And now there's Ex Voto, co-owned by her longtime collaborator Marshall Davis. It's both a roving pop-up and part of an upcoming food hall. They make tacos and tamales, but they also bring science and cultural history to the forefront, focusing on the following. So bringing uh, the nixtamalization process and the honoring of corn as, you know, as an ingredient, as an offering. Some recent foods at Ex Voto include fried cheese skirt tacos and a roasted carrot tamale that's inspired by carrot cake. Angela, who was raised in Colombia, and Marshall, a native North Carolinian, 
are eager to mix a reverence for tradition with an omnivorous sense of play. We're not trying to do Guy Fieri like, you know, um, <laughs> want, you know, tamale wontons or whatever, you know. Um, and we're, we're trying to have fun but not distort it um, so far that it's, it's kind of unrecognizable or, or that we're not really giving it justice. Ex Voto purchases heirloom Mexican corn through a sustainable wholesaler. The kernels are then put through the traditional process of nixtamalization, cooking corn in hot water with calcium hydroxide. And it just breaks down the hard outer hull of the kernel the corn, yeah. and allows it, um, it allows the nutrition to kind of show itself and allows it to soften up enough for you to grind it. And so, you know, tortillas, um, the way that we do them, are it's just corn, corn and water. So yeah. the corn is softened enough to grind it, and as soon as it comes out of the grinder, it is dough. This morning at Centro, Marshall and Chef Dallas Howard are doing recipe research and development for Ex Voto. But today we're going to R&D some black bean tamales with a little mole. And Instead of grinding the nixtamalized corn by hand, which would be untenable for a thriving restaurant, they used the Molino, a hulking two-by-three-foot commercial grinder. It was difficult to procure. It takes about three-and-a-half-month lead time and it's very expensive. Um, and then the machine shows up, no instruction book, no anything, it's just a machine that he made. The Molino uses a huge amount of power and they had to have an electrician visit to install it. And the electrician wired it backwards the first time, so we were feeding the corn in it and it was shooting the corn back out and we were like, <laughs> we didn't know if we were doing something wrong or if he did something wrong. Weaponizing corn isn't the only unique part of working with Ex Voto. The staff have also taken some pretty special field trips together. Angela had first visited Oaxaca, Mexico with her uncle before opening her first restaurant. And I really, really loved everything about it. The food, the culture, the people. It felt to me a little bit different than Colombia because I was there as a true tourist um, with no you know, like emotional baggage that you usually have from home. Uh, so I was really open to the experience. Since then, she's brought members of her staff to visit the city and region to give them some grounded perspective on the history and culture of the local food. On a recent trip, they even did some cooking with the famed chef Pilar Cabrera. So the, the way that the classes there is set up is you meet, you go over the menu, then you go to the market, you buy all the ingredients, and then you meet at her house. She has a huge kitchen, and then everybody kind of preps and cooks together, and then you sit down and eat a meal together. They're inspired to bring this education and creativity to their home turf. Profit margins be damned. We're driven by what we love, what we want to do. This is what we're going to spend 60 to 80 hours a week doing. And it's sure as heck. We're selling tacos, so you better love it. We're not selling filet mignon. Nobody's getting rich over here. Um, uh, so it's got to be a labor of love, and that's, that's where it is. That was producer Josephine McRobbie. And that is all we have time for today. Thanks for listening. The Earth Eats team includes Ayoban Binder, Chad Bouchard, Mark Chilla, Abraham Hill, Taylor Killo, Josephine McRobbie, Daniel Orr, the IU Food Institute, Harvest Public Media, and me, Renee Reed. Our theme music is composed by Aaron Toby and performed by Aaron and Matt Toby. Earth Eats is produced and edited by Kate Young, and our executive producer is John Bailey. Special thanks this week to Christopher Burris, Angela Salamanca, Marshall Davis, and everyone at Ex Voto. 
Production support comes from insurance agent Dan Williamson of Bill Rush Insurance, offering comprehensive auto, business, and home coverage in affiliation with Pekin Insurance. Beyond the expected. More at 812-336-6838. Bill Brown at Griffey Creek Studio, architectural design and consulting for residential, commercial, and community projects. Sustainable, energy-positive, and resilient design for a rapidly changing world. Bill at GriffeyCreek.studio. And Elizabeth Rue, enrolled agent providing customized financial services for individuals, businesses, and disabled adults, including tax planning, bill paying, and estate services. More at personalfinancialservices.net.